Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, Tech fans, and welcome into episode 169 of the Tech Sideline podcast, original tech studios in the virginia tech corporate research center what a busy show we have planned for you today the first show in march coming up on today's show number 16 virginia tech men's basketball throttled wake forest over the weekend set an acc program record in a 38 point win plus an acc championship for virginia tech's men's indoor track and field team Plus, Virginia Tech Wrestling in action on Sunday at the ACC Championships. They take second. We take a look at Corbin Myers, who's the most outstanding wrestler from the tournament. And now, number 16, Virginia Tech Baseball picks up one of the biggest series wins in the John Chef era. All that and more coming up on episode 169 of the Tech Sideline Podcast that gets started right now. Whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or as we discovered last podcast, a lot of people like to listen on Stitcher. Stitcher. (laughs) We're so glad you could join us today as we record on Monday morning, March the 1st. Our crew, as always, to my left, we have our managing editor here at Tech Sideline, Chris Coleman. Across the way, we have our founder and general manager. I used to call him the head honcho. I want to kind of bring that back. The head honcho, Will Stewart. Right. Behind the scenes, the best podcast producer in the land. He is Malcolm Stewart, and I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. It's so great to have you with us. Two quick things. If you're watching on YouTube, live or archived, please hit the like with the thumbs up button and subscribe. It greatly helps us. Right now. Thank you. And if you have a question for Will or Chris, go ahead and drop them in the chat on YouTube Live. It could be about any sport, any question. We will get to them at the end of the show. Also, the other thing I want to encourage you to do is uh, comment on the video. You know, uh, even if it's, even if it's just say good show, bad show, ask a question, whatever, because that's what gets uh, YouTube videos a lot of traction is uh, is a lot of comments, not just likes and subscriptions. So appreciate that. Text Online Podcast is presented by Anytime Fitness. Each new member gets a free fitness consultation and a program is designed. Now through your first billing period, sign up for a dollar in your first billing period. Call 540-951-1340. That number again, 540-951-1340. Ask for Tyler and tell him that Tech Sideline sent you. The Tech Sideline Podcast is also presented by Campus Emporium and the Southeast Regional Training Center. Head over to southeastrtc.com to find out how you can get involved and support Virginia Tech Wrestling today. And we'll get to wrestling a little bit later because there were some highlights to talk about in the 2021 ACC Championships. But gentlemen, we uh, turn the page from February to March. Ah, finally. It is here. One of the best months of the year. And, And knock on wood here, 
It's going to be an even sweeter March because the long-anticipated return of the NCAA tournament should be this month for the first time in two years. It, it, I, I was playing the NCAA uh, tournament theme song from CBS this morning on the way over just because it's a... Uh, it's an exciting time. CBS knows their music for their sporting events, man. Uh, so their college football music, their intro to their college football games, that hasn't changed since at, get at least the early least 90s. the early 90s. Right. right. And their NCAA tournament music obviously never needs to change. So yeah. if there's anything CBS does right. The master songs have always been the right, same for right. years. Um, so if there's anything CBS does right, it's their intro music. So I will say this about the NCAA tournament. I want to get this out of the way. So... I was up past midnight last night and everybody started, you know, tweeting, it's March, it's March. And, and that included a highlight video of a bunch of buzzer beaters from the tournament. And the very last one was uh, Villanova, North Carolina. Such a good one. Lost, I forgot the guy's name that made the game winner. Do you guys uh, remember? Chris Jenkins, pass from Ryan Archidiacono. Yeah. Um, so Jenkins hits the shot and, and it's just a great moment in NCAA tournament history. And, like, within a second or two, they start setting off all the streamers. Mm-hmm. Bang, 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 really loud. And and to this day, I know this might sound like a weird thing to say, but to this day, when that shot went in, and then they started firing off those streamers, I swear I didn't know what was going on. I thought somebody was shooting up the Coliseum. I was confused it was so loud, and it was actually kind of scary. And I think of that every time I see that highlight now with the audio. It's such a perfect – the way it was presented was perfect when they came down and, and you said Diakono had the ball? No, he passed it to Jenkins, the little – he kind of like and, set and a screen in a And he passed to Jenkins, yeah. and uh, was it Clark Kellogg doing the uh, – Well, it was, it was Nance. It was um, um, not Kellogg. It's um, – who's the former Piston player? Grant uh, Grant Hill? Right, and, I do not um, recall. And um, and onions, uh, Bill Raftery. But it, but it's just boom, 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 and he called it. I think even before Diakono even passed it to him. We had the right best call he too. Passed. He said for the championship. Yeah, the balls in the it air. was all perfect, and then it gets ruined by bang, bang. What the heck is happening? Is somebody blowing the place up? Maybe it's just me. Yeah, I, I have no get, idea what you're talking. I had to get that so off. I think my it's national championship <laughs> game 2017. Oh, I mean, I know the game. Oh, yeah, I know the go, shot. Go, I know go, the play. Well, and, and, and keep in mind, what made that so great was that Marcus Page came down and in the air threw up a three yes. ball that tied <laughs> it with like three seconds left. So that, that game was well, awesome. Anyways, well, it, you, you know what made it really good is the fact that they did it against North Carolina. Yeah, North yeah, Carolina. Really and Chris, I guess March is more exciting when. Virginia Tech is a projected six seed in the latest mm-hmm. bracketology from Joe Lenardi, and they look to be safely in the tournament if it started today. I would say if, if you're a six seed and if you're projected as a six seed and you've got two regular season games left, then you're pretty much a lock. Um, no, no, we sit here and look at try to look at what Virginia Tech has done, you know, in a bubble, but. So much of it is, you know, what have other teams done too? And it's it's harder to keep up with this year because, oh, this program's getting shut down. That program's getting shut down. Uh, you know, what 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 is 14 wins this year? How does that compare to last se- to past seasons? Right. Like, what is 14 and 8? What is that in a normal year, 22 and 10? Uh, I don't know. 22 so, and 12. You know, something like that. Uh, you, you have to compare things like that. And, and the fact that, you know, other teams like Virginia Tech haven't played complete schedules. Some teams have played more than others. So it's all kind of a guessing game at this point. But it, 
you know, barring an absolute disaster, it, it just seems like it's a lock at this point. Yeah, I just think that we're also skittish because, uh, like, I recently watched a rebroadcast of the, uh, I think it was the 2011 win over Duke, you know, when Duke was number one in the country. You're going dancing, baby. You know, and, 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 and I actually, when I watch those vintage games, I speed up through a lot of them, but I actually sat one night watched the entire first half with all the commentary and the next night watched the entire second half with all the commentary. And, and if you go back and watch, we all know now that Virginia Tech didn't make the tournament, but if you go back and watch it, it's, it's stunning that they didn't make the tournament because I think they were projected as like it may be a nine or a 10 seed or something like that. And then they beat number one Duke. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, we're in a Dick Vitale. You know, never mind. Dick Vitale was right. Virginia Tech should have been in. You know, so I, I think we're all just really skittish from a long history of living sure. on the bubble and, and not believing it till it happens. Well, there's no RPI anymore. We need to get over that. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, just, the, the, the net is done completely differently. By the way, I'll be writing a completely different article <laughs> this week about the net because some of the stuff I put in last week's article turned out to be incorrect. They changed some rules over the summer that I didn't know about. But regardless of that, uh, the, the whole strength of scheduling thing that, that was so huge in the RPI, that's not what the net's all about. The net's all about efficiency right. for the most part. Well, we'll talk about Virginia Tech's net ranking in a little bit. We'll also look at where Virginia Tech men's basketball might be seeded at the ACC tournament. Plus, coming up on episode 169 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, another ACC championship like clockwork for Virginia Tech's men's track and field indoor team. Uh, we will talk about them. Virginia Tech wrestling, Virginia Tech baseball with a big weekend, women's basketball. They've got the ACC tournament coming up this week. Virginia Tech football signed new players last week. We'll talk about softball, lacrosse, men's soccer, your questions, all that and more coming up. Episode 169 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. But we lead off with currently, as we record on Monday morning, the 16th-ranked team in the country. That's Virginia Tech men's basketball. Coming off of a double-digit home loss to Georgia Tech on Tuesday, their first game in 17 days after the COVID pause, the Hokies, Will, is it fair to say, beat the brakes off of Wake Forest? Is that a, I like to try and be fair, but I feel like that is a beat the brakes off of Wake Forest in a 38-point home win inside of Castle Coliseum. It is the biggest margin of victory, victory. for Virginia Tech in an ACC game yep. since they joined the conference in 2004. Kevin Aluma buried a career high five threes in the win. He was five of five from beyond the arc. What? Um, <laughs> I thought he was only like three of three, maybe. He so eventually wound up making five. He made yeah. five. Clearly, I lost my concentration. It was a the uh, the, he made four against Pittsburgh earlier in the year, but he went five of five from <laughs> deep. Five of five. That's insane. And uh, listen, we could we could go through this box score because it was just. I mean, everybody was contributing. But Chris, I think it's fair to say the Hokies are back. Um, in full swing after the Georgia Tech loss. Fair to say? Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they, they looked, appeared to be, well, they, they sounded lethargic against Georgia Tech, I'll say, because I didn't actually get to watch the game at home. Yeah, they, they, but, yeah. but they seemed really, really fresh against Wake Forest. Now, maybe that 17-day layoff, um, maybe it hurts you the first game, but maybe that's, maybe after that, you once you get your – once you get back in the groove, maybe you've got more energy because because you uh, you weren't playing or practicing. You got to pause, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, that'll be an that would be an interesting off season study. So I think Tech played really, 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 really well, and I think Wake Forest is just That's a lot of really horrible. Yeah, uh, it's it's. 
I mean, Kevy Aluma went five for five, and there was, seemed like there was nobody within five yards of him every time he touched the ball out there. Yeah. Scored like, 23 gotta, points in 20 minutes. Uh, like, you know he can make those, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I could actually hear Steve Forbes on TV, one of the wonders of an empty arena in the COVID era. You could hear the coaches yelling and hear what they're saying. And Mike Young's not a yeller, so you rarely hear, hear him. But Steve Forbes can be a yeller. And you could hear him clearly on the on the broadcast the other day. Not particularly pleased, and I don't blame him. Uh, you know, Wake, they seemed like they were improving a little bit earlier in ACC play, but now, oh, man, they just look completely lost. It's so odd to me. I guess when I was a kid, when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, that's probably when you're – Maybe around your most impressionable age to a certain extent. Yeah, when you're first discovering sports. And yeah, first starting yeah. Well, to watch. when I first really, really started watching it, and I could really grasp everything that I was watching, is when they had Tim Duncan and Randolph Childress. And so, to me, like at that point in time, I mean, I've I viewed ACC basketball as Duke, Carolina, and Wake Forest. Like they were all yeah. the, all three the same to me. Yeah. So it's just. It's been odd to watch their collapse. Not odd, but I, I just think uh, they've, they've they've done some bad hiring. Uh, I think you know the obviously Odom was a fantastic coach for him, mm-hmm. and then Prosser was a good coach. But when Prosser passed away, they were they were not able to adequately replace him. Obviously, you know Dino Gaudio became their head coach by default because Prosser died in like a July. So the assistant gets promoted and, and then they replaced, uh, was uh, Danny Manning next after Dino Gaudio? No, it was that guy for two years. who was best friends with the athletic director. Remember he was the Colorado <laughs> coach and the athletic director just oh, hired, that was a disaster. he just hired his golfing buddy, Be- yeah. Bez- Bez- Bezdelic. Bezdelic, Bezdelic yeah. yeah, that was it. He was only there for like two years. Was that a Ron Wellman hire? I, I, I Jeff, so. Jeff Bezdelic. Yeah, yeah. They were golf buddies, literally. Oh. And uh, so that ran that ran him into the ground. And then 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 Manning was Manning's one of those guys. You know, it's always it's, it's never your great players usually that become great coaches. It's always your average to bad players. Well, that's why I acted coaches. surprised the other day when I found out who Michigan's coach is. Right, uh, Juwan yeah, Howard. Yeah. That doesn't happen that often. Yeah. Uh, By the way, so it went uh, Odom eighty nine two thousand one. Skip Prosser oh one oh seven. Mm-hmm. Dino Gaudio oh seven to ten. Jeff, how are you? Bezalik. Bezalik twenty ten to twenty fourteen. Um, actually, didn't he last recently, that long? Four he was, years. He was most recently served as the associate head coach for the New Orleans Pelicans of the NBA. By the way. And then Danny Manning from 2014 to 2020. Yeah, so I, 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 Malcolm Delaney's senior year, I went down. I think it was his senior year. I went down with a, with my buddy Richie Davis, and we watched Tech play at Wake Forest. And uh, the attendance – Wake Forest has a big coliseum. It's something like 17,000 mm-hmm. seats or more. And the attendance way back then that night was positively COVID-like. There were about three or 4,000 people there. Yeah, you know, so it's it's a big place, and and they the, have at times had had a good history. They've wrecked their program. Yeah, the not only have they, did they hire two bad coaches in a row, they stuck with them after it was clear yeah. for at least a year or two after it was clear that they were in over their heads, yeah. and then they didn't fire Manning until like May. That was a Seth Greenberg. Fire, I remember that, right? Yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so Forbes has his work cut out for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I say all that, and I'm not judging Forbes at all. He hasn't been there long enough no. to know. Yeah. But that's uh, – it's all about the hires, man, um, I, I think. 
You didn't have to watch the game long on Saturday to know that Tyrese Radford certainly had an impact on the game in his first week back with Virginia Tech. He led, uh, tied with Naheem Aline for the most minutes in the win against Wake Forest, which, by the way, didn't see the final score, 84-46. to Radford, 15 points, 6 rebounds, 3 boards, and it's the first time in his career that Tyrese Radford has made multiple three-pointers. <laughs> Congratulations, Wake Forest. All right, so it's it's the, <laughs> yeah, it's, the it's the biggest margin of victory for Virginia Tech in an ever. ACC game ever, beating our old high of 29 against Wake Forest. And, yep, it's only 21. So it's the first game ever that Tyrese Radford is at more than one three-pointer. Kevin Alumate is a career high, 5-5. Five. Five five. Uh, like how many bad defensive records can, can Wake Forest break in, in – in one game. So so the Tyrese yeah. Radford thing is interesting because against Georgia Tech, he was uh, – I've, I've repeatedly used the word invisible. He was invisible against Georgia Tech until there were about seven or eight minutes left to go in the second half. He had, at that point, two points. And he scored nine points in the last seven or eight minutes of that game and then scored how many in this one? Fifteen. So that's 24 points in the last, like, 27 minutes he's been on the floor. So – Yes, he he he's getting his game back. It appears, and and that's huge because because a guy that we haven't talked about that hasn't recovered yet from the COVID pause is Hunter Couture. Yeah, um, Hunter did not shoot well the other day. He played better, uh, but you can he, tell he, he still had like three blocks and two steals, or vice versa. Or yeah, something like so that. his floor so, game is good, but he's not yeah. not hitting the shots. It's easy. it's clear. Well, well, maybe it's not clear, but we know some players miss practice time. A good chunk of practice time. And yes, like, you are speculating. And, 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 and if I just had to guess, I would say that he, would be, he, was, he was probably one, one of them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he uh, played 25 minutes on Saturday against Wake, did not score. However, as Chris mentioned, three blocks, two steals, two assists, uh, two rebounds. So, I mean, he found How, ways did, to contribute. Did he turn it over at all? Because he had a turnover problem against Georgia Tech. He had one turnover. Okay, not did bad. Did he draw any charges? I I don't know. I don't think See, that, that that was the only thing that was missing. That is the key indicator <laughs> that he has not yet recovered. Or from a COVID three. Layoff. This was the first. Uh, he had made a three in at least uh, nine straight games, and then that streak was snapped on yeah. Saturday. No, so that's, so. See, there's something Wake did right. They, 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 <laughs> can, they can hang their hats on that. <laughs> they um, kept Hunter Couture. And Hunter Couture didn't make a three, so we didn't lose by forty. Moral <laughs> victory. <laughs> hey, listen, we could break down this game. 84-46. Listen. Everybody played well in this one. I, w- I kind of want to take it, though, big picture here for a moment. I um, also want to point out David Kassan, 20 minutes played against Wake Forest. Um, His, and he's had two really good games against Wake Forest. So that, like, <laughs> Eight points, five rebounds. I'll tell you what, you know, it's interesting. Let's talk about the freshman real quick for a moment, right? Because the two headline names in this class were Joe Bamasil, which we'll talk about in a moment, folks, because that dunk was insane, and Darius Maddox, who has not played much this year. But David Gasson out of the Netherlands, a three-star recruit. I mean, will he has been the more the biggest contributor of the three this year? I mean, getting twenty minutes in an ACC game, it's pretty pretty big work there for the freshman. Yeah, and and I when I look at him, you know, they've Tech has brought in uh, uh, big guys, uh, Cordell Pimsel. Um, I'm really impressed with Justin Mutz. I, th- I think physically. Gasson is is similar to Mutz, you know. If if you give Gasson a few years in the weight room, and Except he's and, taller. So so Mutz is six seven. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Gasson and six Gasson nine. is six nine. So Gasson's so going to be a six nine, two hundred thirty five, two hundred forty pounds, a really good athlete. I think once and, he gets yeah. gets some get some muscle on him and starts, it's it's funny. He's very productive productive, but to me, he looks like he's not quite confident in himself yet. 
you know, and, and that's really good when you see a guy that's productive that you can st- tell is still trying to figure things out. So I think he's got a bright future if he stays on track. And, and I, th- I think Mike Young develops players so yeah. well. You know, I think I think it all looks promising where Gasson's concerned. Yeah, d- definitely. And and those international kids like him, you know, he grew up in the Netherlands. You know, he didn't pay any attention to American college basketball. He's 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 watching soccer or something like that, right? So, like when you recruit guys like that, they don't understand how rankings are done. He probably doesn't even didn't even know what his ranking was. So like, he doesn't know that he was supposed to be not as good as the other freshmen in the right. class. Like, I remember something Seth Greenberg always said about Czech Chiquite. Like, Czech Chiquite was, I believe, from, from Mali. And Greenberg said something like, when we recruited him, like, oh, he thought we were so big time. Like, he didn't pay attention to American college basketball. He was just happy to be recruited by an American college basketball team. Was He thinks we're Duke, is what Seth Greenberg said. He said, he thinks we're Duke, right, <laughs> basically. Wow. So... Yeah, those guys they just don't pay they just don't pay that much attention if you're from overseas like that. Um, so maybe he looks up his ranking, maybe he doesn't, but I don't think he under he probably did not have a grasp that he was not supposed to be playing this much. Have this having year, an impact as a freshman, know? yeah. Well, Joe Bamasiel, you know, he is he, earlier in the year did not get a lot of minutes. He did play 15 minutes in the win against Wake Forest. Uh, seven points, two rebounds, was three of seven from the field, but. Whew, that dunk to end the first half. I mean, it took off from the ACC stripe and flushed it down. You can just see the the potential. Yeah. We do like the rosebud thorn, which we won't do today. But <laughs> gosh, he is a bud, Will. Right? Yeah. I mean, just he could blossom into something great. So if you have not seen the Tech Talk live notes from last Thursday, we ran them on Friday. Bamisil was on Tech Talk live live last Thursday and. Just go read the Tech Talk live notes on, on TSL. He's he's just a very mature, interesting guy. Deep thinking dude. Yeah, Real deep thinking guy. And, and and I don't think it's deep thinking in a bad way. I I, th- I think that he knows who he is and where he is right now. He practices the art of meditation. And when I say that, I don't mean like he he just sits around and thinks about things all day. Like I mean, he's actually <laughs> knows how to do it. He's read the books. Uh, yeah. There there are strategies to it i guess uh techniques, te- techniques is, is, yes. is, the, is the better way and he knows all that it's something about you take 500 breaths 500 times or, or then then you go up to 750 breaths 750 times so like he is so he has a life goal that. to kind right. of do that he's done 500 breaths 500 times and he, is he working on 750 750 something times like that. yeah yeah, yeah and then he's going to do a thousand breaths a thousand times right that, Amazing. that's that's life's work. Right, right. So when you, people talk about, oh, he's transferring or he's not transferring, uh, the, the, all you're doing is guessing, and you're guessing based on what normal 18-year-olds think about, and he is not a normal 18-year-old. Not, not at all, and I mean that in a good way. It's funny because uh, he, he threw up one of the ugliest three-pointers I've seen. The other day, you know, just flat-footed, just chucked it at the basket early in the shot clock. Well, everything was going in at that point. So, everything yeah, was going yeah. in. He's like, well, I'll just throw this thing up. And then later he he took a three-pointer that looked a little better and went in. Yep. You know, and um, so I, I just think as he gets older, you'll see more consistency, you know. And, and again, it gets back to Mike Young and his staff so, <laughs> so far, 
they look like they really know how to develop players. Just look at Kebe Aluma. Mm-hmm. Although Mike will, uh, and they talked about this on the game broadcast the other day, Mike will say, I never saw the offense coming. I knew Kebe could be a good rebounder and a good defender, but I had no clue he would be scoring this many points. Yeah. So, Speaking of the game broadcast, Will pointed out on Twitter, uh, shouting out Radford Bobcats. Uh, on the air and pictures of Mike Young. You go at Will Stewart TSL and see the pictures that he put on Twitter. So that. so that was hilarious. So I, I took a picture of that screen and I texted it to uh, my buddy, the da- my buddies, the Davises. There are three Davis boys that Richie's my age and Bev and Bob are twins. They're a year younger. So they all went to high school with Mike Young. Richie and Mike. Richie was two years younger than Mike Young. So when Richie and I were sophomores in high school, Mike was a senior. And uh, Another friend of ours, Phil Williams, same age, same grade as me. Phil, Phil played as a sophomore on a state semifinal team where Mike was a senior. You know, so of course, my, the the reason I say all that is I'm looking in the backgrounds of those three pictures that they showed, trying to see if I see other guys that I know. So that was just very cool. That was really tip of the cap to the ACC Network team uh, putting that on the broadcast. Listen, we're in the final week of the regular season. It is March, so here we go, folks. Uh, postseason plays just around the corner. Hokies have two big ones this week to close out the season. But I think the headline going into this week and moving forward is, what's the status of Jalen Cohn, who, of course, was injured in the February 6th game against March. So it's almost been in in February. So it's almost been a month since that Miami game. And it sounds like what Coach Young was saying after the game, that he does not expect him back this week. The ACC tournament is the goal to get him back. Chris, Virginia Tech's ceiling without Jalen Cohn. What's without him? I mean, how much of a difference does he make when he's healthy or when he's not healthy? Depends on if it's the Jalen Cohn that is on and scoring twenty points, or the Jalen Cohn who is off and not scoring a single point, as he did in a couple games this year. Um, you just you don't quite know what you're going to get. Um, the thing is, uh, you know, he's got to be on because he's only five nine, so. He can't. He can't be very effective on the defensive end, right? So, in effect, there are times when it's kind of a five-on-four game when his shot isn't falling. So, yeah, I think he's one of those guys when he gets hot and you ride him. Um, but you know, you don't, you don't want to pull him after like two misses either, you know, because you never know when that guy's capable of heating up. I don't know. It's a Managing the rotation as a basketball coach is is can be difficult. Joe Bamisil has a higher ceiling than anybody in the program. The more he plays right now, the better he's going to be. He's going to be next year. Like I think he'll start next year. It wouldn't shock me a bit if he's in the starting lineup next year. Where, where do you see him as a two or a three or what? I get, he can play any of the any of the any one two three whatever any of that. Um, so I, I don't know who would come out, but. At any rate, it does, that's beside the point. But so it's like a Jalen Cohn versus Bamisil to a certain extent. Like if you play, if if you if Cohn comes back healthy and you play him, um, that's somebody's minutes, right? So whose minutes are you going to take? Bamisil's, I guess. Yeah. Uh, do you really want to do that? Because he's playing pretty decent ball right now, and. The more he plays right now, the quicker he's going to be a great player. He's going to be a great player. It's just a matter of when. But, you know, if he's playing 15, 20 minutes a game like he's doing right now, then that's going to happen sooner. That's why they pay Mike Young $2 million a year to figure stuff like that out. 
So here's a, uh, here's a here's the rundown on Cone. I'm, I'm looking at his three-point shooting. And in the three games that finished with Duke on January 12th, from three-point range, he was 6 of 12, 4 of 10, and 3 of 5. That is 13 of 27. Mm, pretty good. In the, in, and that was <coughs> through the Duke game. Mm-hmm. But beginning with the Wake Forest game, oddly enough, on January 17th, 0 of 4, 1 of 8, 1 of 5, 2 of 6, 3 of 9, and 0 of 1. Mm. So that is 7 of like 33 or something right. like that. Right. So, yeah. so, he, so like he I was, said, which Jalen Cohn is going to show up? Yeah, he was clearly off, and that was a five-game stretch. Right. So, again, it doesn't sound like he's going to play this week. Let's take a look at the schedule for Virginia Tech, final week of the regular season. Uh, even though Senior Day was on Saturday, the final home game of the year at Castle Coliseum against Louisville, who is currently 13-5 and on the year, 8-4 and in the ACC. That's an important one because the Hokies are in third place of the ACC at 9-4, and and Louisville sits right behind them at 8-4. and And, gosh, is this finally the game that Virginia Tech can beat Louisville for the first time since, what, 1971? Is that right? <laughs> 1991. 1991. Nine, no, excuse uh, me. Uh, yeah, they used to be in the Metro Conference together. Um so if Tech wins this game, it locks up a double bye, right? I, I presume yes. I think so because that would put them at ten and four. Louisville would be eight and five. Clemson's nine and five right now. They have the tiebreaker over Clemson over both of those. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. Um, so that that's North really, Carolina is also nine and five, by the way. Right. And and if if you don't if you don't win this game, then you're thrown into a pack of about four or five teams. You have to beat NC State, basically. Yeah. 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 Uh. uh Okay, so that out of the way, to me, I'm not even thinking about that. I want to beat Louisville. I know. That, that's that's something I – you will got to get that monkey off your back at some point, man. And especially it, – it, it would be one thing if it was like a regular ACC team. But Louisville, man, Louisville is just such a – I'll put it this way: like there, there are a lot of fans around the ACC and a lot of Virginia Tech fans that didn't want to add West Virginia, but then we added Louisville. And I the, mean, the, the, co- the reason the the reason for not adding West Virginia was quote the academics unquote. We added the most unethical athletic department in the entire country, quite possibly. One of them, yeah, and you know, and, and, and and I'd I'd take ten West Virginias over Louisville. Over one Louisville, to be quite honest with you. Um, so yeah, I want to beat Louisville for a lot of reasons. Uh, and it, it, the thing is, it's not not really like all those guys that that made Louisville so bad. They're gone now, but still, the the stain remains. At least it does for me. Well, you know, culture of the athletic program. So right, uh, seventeen losses in a row, dating back to the last time Virginia Tech beat them was. Pretty handily, seventy-two to fifty-six in Blacksburg in February of nineteen ninety-one. So it has been thirty years and seventeen games, and and I've got the list of games in front of me, and honestly, only a couple of them were all that close. Um, there was a game in uh, January of nineteen ninety-five where uh, it was in Blacksburg, and Ace Custis had a chance at a tip-in at the buzzer to win it. The Tech lost that one 62-61. Uh, that was the year Tech won the NIT. That was the last year in the Metro, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, so you're right. That was 1995, and Tech was really good. I bet we didn't play him again until well, we played him in the NIT 
Played him again 14 days later at Louisville oh, okay. and lost by four, 78-74. And then, of course, there was a 94-90 loss in 2017 in Louisville. That was the game where Tech was just unconscious from three-point range, just making everything. But Louisville was so good, it didn't matter. So Tech scores 90 and Louisville scores 94. And then, of course, the uh, first game this year where Hunter Couture had a chance to win it at the buzzer and Tech lost 73-71. Other than that, they're all eight points, ten points, or more. There was a game, though. I want to say Tech set the ACC record for uh, program. Oh, there was like 94, a 90 loss. Yeah, yeah, like, like 17 yeah. threes or something and like that. still lost. Take that with a so. grain of salt because Ahmed Hill hit a couple from the corner in that game that actually bounced off the top of the backboard <laughs> and then came down in. So, so think about that. this. So Virginia Tech has not beaten Louisville since Ace Custis played basketball for the Hokies? Well, no. actually, before that, since I, th- I think Bimbo Coles may have still been playing. The 90-91 season, I guess. Still yeah, the 90 Nobody in college. If, if Ace's last year was 96-97, so yeah. He wasn't enrolled he was in high tech when He was still playing basketball on the Eastern Shore. And now he's back <laughs> as a uh, assistant coach. And anybody in college right now was not alive the last time. It's been a for, really, so really it's been long, a long time. So that's Louisville. And again, the you know the Cardinals at 13-5. and five. And then North Carolina State's, an, I mean, they're – they're on the outside looking at they're 12 and nine, they're eight and eight. However, you get a team that is not in the tournament, right? And doing everything they can, maybe desperate. I mean, you know, Virginia Tech's going to see their best effort on Saturday. Well, they, they lost their top scorer, what, like a month ago? Daniels. I don't know. Is it, what's his first name? I don't know off the top of my head, but they, they lost Daniels. And that was, uh, I think perceived to be, you know, really, really bad news, but I think they've now won four or five in a row. So they've won four straight, which is the second most in the league behind Clemson, who's won five in a row. Yeah, so they're they're rolling, you know, and got to get at least one of these, I think. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. So again, you look at potential seeding. So Florida State's in first in the league; they're ten and three. Virginia's eleven and four, and then Virginia Tech's in third at nine and four. Right behind the Hokies, Louisville eight and four, Clemson nine and five, North Carolina nine and five, and Georgia Tech nine and six. By the way. Hokies lose to Georgia Tech, but Joe Lenardi now has them in as a last four in team. Georgia Tech. So the ACC has seven teams right now projected um, in the NCAA tournament. This well, year. they beat Syracuse on Saturday. I think so. Georgia Tech is is when I when I evaluate coaching, I always look and see is is a program less than the sum of its parts, and that's what I think of when I look at Georgia Tech. I'm, uh, I'm granted they were blowing Virginia Tech out, so maybe I'm kind of. Uh, you know, but but, they, but they've got some good players and they've got some head scratching losses. Georgia Tech has been less than the sum of their parts ever since uh, Bobby Cremens left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. yeah. So and right now Duke is on the first four out with Michigan <laughs> State. So how weird is that to see two you know blue bloods just sitting on the uh, first yeah. four out right now? So anyway, so that's a look at the ACC. Big week for Virginia Tech. Um, Hokies at home against Louisville on Wednesday and then at North Carolina State on Saturday. And then that'll wrap up the regular season. All right, let's transition from talking about Virginia Tech men's basketball to a sport that we don't get to spend a lot of time talking about. But today we will certainly spend a lot of time talking about Virginia Tech men's indoor track and field winning the 2021 ACC championship over the weekend. The Hokies totaled 136 points which is the largest margin of victory in the modern era. Uh, this was absolutely incredible, and yeah, it was pure domination, Will. Because so, so who was second? You need to list who was second. I, I was about to get okay. that. North Carolina with 81 points in second place. Virginia Tech in first 
with 136 points. Um, so let me jump in here and say Virginia. there are 17 events, and Virginia Tech didn't even run the last one. <laughs> if you know the way uh, uh, track meets go, um, they, they finish with a 4 by 400 because that's like one of the most exciting races. So track meets, uh, and, and I've experienced this at the high school level, you know, they, they go all day long and and they do a lot of the shorter events earlier. And then as they get towards the end, they, they at the high school level, they start to run the mile and the two mile. And let me tell you something, man, when you're going to Radford High School track meets, the the two mile is something that can go on forever. I've seen kids basically jog the two mile and take 35 to 40 minutes mm. to run it. And so that's that's when a track meet really bogs down. Why so are they that, even running track? What, in it, high school? It takes them 35 minutes to... Don't get me started. Anyway, okay. Don't get me started. <laughs> I could run the two mile faster than 35 I could minutes. walk the two mile faster than 35 minutes. You know, minutes. and, and I... <laughs> let's just say I had to keep my mouth shut at many track meets as I watched kids I could power walk faster than they were quote unquote running the two mile so anyway back to the topic so they finish up with the uh, four by 400 and and in looking at the sheet you know and looking at the material for the track for the meet I think there were about 13 four by 400 teams that were going to run and the season best time, Virginia Tech had the best season best time, a 3.07. Now, there were one or two teams listed with no time at all, and I don't know how good they would or wouldn't be. The point I'm making is that's an event where Virginia Tech, it appears they were were favored to win it, and they didn't even run it because they were <laughs> up by so much. So, so it was a blowout, and then we brought in – and then we, it's like we took the starters out, but we didn't even bring in the walk-ons. It, right? it, it's it's as if you dribble down the floor and then just hold the ball for 30 seconds, turn it over, and go back and play defense. It's that, it's, yeah. it's that kind yeah. of thing. So the margin could have been even bigger. A couple of notes. Uh, Ja'Cory Patterson uh, repeated about the 200-meter and 400-meter, uh, the junior from South Carolina, so who also has another year of eligibility. You think about, God, what records could he do next year? Um, he became the ACC championship champion in the 400-meter for the third consecutive year. Uh, and as the release says, all the rest of the field could do was watch Patterson spikes kick in front as he extended his lead. <laughs> yeah. That's a growl. Wow, whoever wrote that release, that was really solid. <laughs> I liked that a lot. Uh, uh, 45-3-8 in the finals. Uh, he also uh, took home the 2021 ACC Indoor Championships Men's Track MVP award. And there were many other people who uh, took home gold, but Patterson was the the headline as he has been. <laughs> so, if, you, if you could leave early for a track draft and be the number one pick, <laughs> he would be gone. So well, I, I, you know, I, I knew, uh, I knew it was going on and, and I thought, well, I'll go over to Twitter. I'll go over to the Hokies track and field Twitter and see what's happening. And, and, and their Twitter feed was personal record, ACC record, tech record over and over and over. And I'm looking at this Twitter feed thinking to myself, are, are they just, is, it sounds like Tech is doing really good. So I go over and I check the scores, and they're they're way out front. I didn't know if I was looking at them just hyping up some of their, their runners that were doing well, but no, they were actually just crushing it. Do you have any idea how many records Patterson has broken? I, every time he runs. Yeah, yeah, I know, right. So he's going to like – We've got world records, international records, right. ACC he, records. He did have records. the world record for like under 21 for one world of those World junior runs, record right? or something, something like that. Something like that. 
He's going to set the record for most records at Virginia Tech. Yeah. Uh, he's pretty much knocking all of them down. Sometimes he, I wish I had Ja'Cory Patterson speed when you got to park in Castle but get across the drill field in like 10 minutes to get to class. Could you imagine just to, Yeah, but if woo. it was cold, then everything in your face would freeze because you were running so fast. Mm. Good, that's so you have point. to walk backwards across the, the drill field? Exactly. Maybe you could uh, set the record for a uh, fastest run across the drill field backwards. That's oh. one you could go for. Gosh, I don't, I don't want to see myself try to. <laughs> now, hey, so Virginia Tech men's and women's um, indoor track and field, 16 ACC titles between the two. You know, when we think about some of the best coaches Virginia Tech has, uh, director of track and field, Dave Ginelli, I mean, he's been here forever, yeah. and he just continues to get results. I mean, you were you were throwing it off before we went on the air, the, the amount of – Years like 2010, 2012. I mean, it's just been over and over. They consistently repeat. And, you know, Jimmy Robertson's really well respected, right? As somebody who's been covering tech athletics mm. for a long time. And he tweeted something along the lines of, like, this is the best program Virginia Tech has, and it's not close. I mean, just in terms of results and championships. I mean, consistency it is, over the long period of time, you could certainly, I think that you could make a strong argument for that. Yeah. You know, I, I can't argue too much with that. Uh, the 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 in the men's indoor team has won the ACC championship in 2011, 13, 15, 17, 19, yep. and now 2021. So that's six of them. They've got four outdoor titles, and then the women have six titles combined. Robertson tweeted, Virginia Tech now has won 16 ACC titles in track and field, 10 men, six women. The best sport at the school, not even close. And and Dave Cinelli himself, if you look at uh if you look at the the notes for the track and field championships, he's he's one of He's one of the higher-ranked ACC coaches in terms of championships. I want to say historically he's something like already sixth or seventh. And it was uh, – so I, I, I ran this in our article on TSL where uh, – and, Evan, you might want to pull it up so we can get these numbers exact. Um, Virginia Tech now has <clears throat> the fifth most indoor titles or something, the fourth or fifth most um, – uh, here we go. Yep. The indoor championship is six for Tech. They won 11, 13, 15, 17, 19. Fourth most in conference history, despite Virginia Tech only being in the ACC since 04, 05. Maryland won 26, Florida State 13, Clemson 12, Virginia Tech 6. Right. And so, and the Maryland 26 is, is, is odd because if you look at ACC track records, Maryland just won it from, from the mid 50s on. Maryland won it every year, pretty much. So that's where they piled up their big numbers before they left for the Big Ten. So, so Dave Cinelli is one of the better uh, track and field coaches in, in ACC history. And um, speaking of uh, really good coaches who have gotten results, Tony Roby has done that yeah. uh, a lot since he's taken over uh, as coach of Virginia Tech Wrestling. By the way, Southeast Regional Training Center. Go to southeastrtc.com to get involved with Virginia Tech Wrestling. And, and why not? When you have the undefeated season, you finish ranked number two and number three in respective polls. On Sunday night, the ACC Championships, hosted by North Carolina State Certainly had a little bit of a different feel to it because you did not know if Makai Lewis would be able to wrestle. That was the burning question going in. Yeah. He did not wrestle, but I do want to read uh, the statement that Virginia Tech Wrestling put out on Makai uh, before yesterday. So he ended up not wrestling, right? He goes in and he... Uh, um, injury default. Injury default. So he d literally just stepped on the mat. and But you have to wrestle... 
or default to qualify for the NCAA term. So here's a statement. Under the advisement of our medical staff, we have decided to medically withdraw Makai Lewis from the remainder of the ACC championship. We are confident that Makai will be healthy for the NCAA championships and hopeful that he receives an at-large bid from the selection committee for the opportunity to compete in St. Louis. So before we get into everything else, I mean, that's, it sounds like really good news that he is going to get a chance to defend his crown at 165. Yes, it looks that way. And that's, uh, you know, they, they actually put in the statement. They didn't say we are working towards it. They said we are confident. Mm-hmm. Um, so without Makai wrestling, it's it's difficult to win an AC champion, ACC championship. Yeah. And I'm not sure even if he had wrestled that they, I mean, NC State won by a lot. They did. Um, they, they wrapped it up early. So I'm not sure even Makai being there wrestling all the way through to a championship would have, would have closed the gap. However, uh, big day for Virginia Tech wrestling, though. Uh, and the hi- headline was Corbin Myers. I mean, we, we've we been talking about it all this time. Corbin Myers not getting the attention he deserved. He's hardly moved up in the polls. And he beats Mickey Philippi of Pittsburgh, who is uh, one of the best wrestlers at 133. He beats him in the championship. He takes home most outstanding wrestler. Really well-deserved for the year that he's had. Coming off of injury, graduate student, best he's wrestled his entire career. Um, and that's now two consecutive wins he's had against Philippi. He's the only, it's the first time Philippi's lost in the ACC championships in his time at Pittsburgh. So, okay. So, so it's the first time Philippi has lost in the ACC championships, not overall, because I thought I read correct, somewhere. Not overall, just know, in the, in the ACC championship right. postseason. Yeah. Um, Hunter Kaka, extremely impressive wrestling at heavyweight in place of the injured John Borst, lost in sudden victory in the championship. Um, but, Jacob Camacho, you ready for this? I was about to ask, what did Macho Camacho do? Macho Camacho wrestled Sam Latona in the championship at 125. You want to guess what happened? Latona won. (laughs) Latona won. He beat Jacob Camacho again. Not so Macho Camacho. So I'm laughing because they, you know, again, they they do these random starts sometimes for duels, and they did a random start yesterday uh, for the championships. They start at 133, and I'm like, no, the ACC knew exactly what they were doing starting at 133 because where do we end? 125 with Latona and Camacho. Of course, the the team championship was already wrapped up. But Latona, it was low scoring, but he wrestled really, really well. Uh, 2-1 the final. And I thought he was extremely sound defensively. Because Camacho got a couple of shots in late, Will. And I thought he was really sound defensively in the win. I went on the board and I said, I was all all Rock Harrison in my basement, man. I was all twisting (laughs) around. He called it, oh, oh, ooh. You know, make (laughs) two. So anyway, so, I mean, again, no Makai Lewis, no John Boris. Hokies still finished second. And uh, they qualify, seven Hokies qualify for the NCAAs. We'll wait to see about Makai Lewis, and that gets started here shortly. So let's give a shout out. Yeah, the, the at large selections are March tenth, so that's when we'll find out about Makai, and, and and he'll the, he'll get a bot a bit. Yeah, he he should get a bid. So let's give a shout out to Dakota Howard. Yeah, junkyard did, dog. Did you, did you watch him? Did, I was following along with tweet updates. It just everything was all caps and exclamation points in a good way. Let he me. he is not Virginia Tech's best wrestler, but he is the most fun to watch. Because he he has, he was he went three and one, took third place at seventy four. Yeah, so he was uh, he was seated fourth, I believe, right? Yeah, seated fourth, and so he just has this this motor. And they say it every time he wrestles. They say you better not give up on him. Better not give up on him. So uh, you know when Makai got hurt against Pittsburgh, um, Dakota Howard wrestled next. He's one seventy four right after you know Makai, and he demolished 
the guy he was wrestling. He just he took him down, let him get up, took him down, just over and over and over and just destroyed him. And so in the ACC championships yesterday, I watched his uh, when he was wrestling for third place. Going into the third period, he was down seven to two. Mm. And he started doing that same thing. Take down, let the guy get up. Take down, let the guy get up. <laughs> you know, and he, and he caught him. He took him down like in, I think, the last 10 seconds to tie him at nine. So it goes into sudden victory overtime. Against they, the UVA wrestler, Chris, by the way. I am not exaggerating. They barely started the clock in <laughs> overtime. And he went in, boom, took the guy down. It was within five seconds. Junkyard the, the, dog. That's the what recap call. said within 10 seconds, but no, it was faster than that. I've, um, I've never seen. Now, my son Ronan wrestled when he was a kid, and I remember one uh, one little gold medal match he had where it was a really even matchup, and he just wore the other kid out. He was like that; he could wrestle the entire seven minutes. And but I but I have th- those are two matches that I just described from Howard where the 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 opposition was demoralized, you know, and and just just I, I, there's nothing I can do. Just take me down again, you know. So he's just a trip to watch, and I think he's only a sophomore. Yep, correct. Uh, and he's at 174, and he came in around like 195, 200, and now he's dropped down two weight classes. And I'm excited to see him next year with a another full off season uh, coming back at 74. Yeah. Last thing I want to mention: Hunter Bolin. Ranked number one at 184. He's been beaten Trent Headley many times. He's in the top five. He falls 3-1 uh, at 184. That also went to sudden victory. Yeah. So And, and you watch that, and, and uh, Hunter just, you know, he just made a mistake. He just he just got caught in a, a quasi-scramble situation, yeah. and Headley finally got around him and beat him for the first time. Those guys always wrestle. It's always 3-1 to one or 2-1. to one. Right. Low it's, scoring, yeah, great defense. Yeah. One the, shot could be the difference. This one went in a sudden victory, one yep. to one, and and you could see it when Hidley got around behind him. Hunter just kind of rolled over and he, he hit his hand yep. on the mat like, oh man, I blew that, you know. Well, you said at large bids come out March tenth, yes, and we'll find out more about uh, where the Hokies are seated and, and weight classes coming up on March tenth. But so again, seven of them already have bids correct. based on where they finished in the ACCs. Makai mm-hmm. is expected to get one. And the guys on the wrestling board are saying that Sam Hilligus will also get one. So they'll, 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 they'll take eight or nine wrestlers. So that probably means 97 is the only weight class that Virginia Tech will not have a right. wrestler. Correct. Um, so, um, all right. Well, listen, we've talked about an ACC championship. We've talked about an ACC program record. Chris Coleman, what sport should we transition to next when we come back? From regular? What do you think? Big weekend for uh, the, the, the Diamond? I think so. It seems like it really was, wasn't it? Yeah. Big yeah. weekend for now. 16th ranked. 16th ranked. Virginia Tech Baseball. We'll step aside for a break here. Episode 169 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. When we come back, Virginia Tech Baseball takes the series in Coral Gables for the first time in program history, taking the series against 6th ranked Miami. All that and more coming up. Episode 169 of the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by Campus Emporium, the Southeast Regional Training Center, and Anytime Fitness. Welcome back in episode 169 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, recording on Monday morning, March the 1st. It is great to have you with us. Evan Hughes alongside Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by Campus Emporium. They're proud to sponsor the Tech Sideline community. A portion of every sale is returned to Virginia Tech in support of its endowment for excellence, student programming, and need-based scholarships. We have been serving the Virginia Tech community for over 25 years from our locations in Blacksburg and our online store. 
Please visit the number one source for Virginia Tech merchandise. CampusEmporium.com is the website, or come see us, 207 North Main Street or 1337 South Main Street. Will Stewart is holding a really cool hat in his hand right now. Will, for our listeners who can't see, what are you holding? Retro State Outline Hat by 47 Brand. And so what that means is it's a, it's the classic tech logo from the mid-'70s where you had the uh, you had the state of Virginia with the word tech on top of it. So a real nice hat. The embroider is really nice. So, so you see the word tech in white. It's like very it's it's that raised embroidery really, really nice stuff yeah so here's here's yeah. what the hat you looks know like the, on. the the late coach chuck hardman would actually wear a really cool jacket jacket oh, oh, man. that logo that, yeah. gray yeah. jacket and, so um, 24.99 100 percent cotton you know adjustable little snapback thing here it's not the snapback where you, you peel it but it's just an adjustable clasp that does snap into place also yeah those uh those jackets that hartman wore were actually uh team jackets from uh like late 80s, early 90s. Brad Klontz told me he had one with his yeah. name on it. Yeah. yeah. So everybody on the team got a jacket like that with their name on it. Well, you know that the late and the great coach Chuck Hartman was smiling down this weekend in a big way because 16th ranked, the rankings came out this morning, folks. One pause, Virginia Tech Baseball ranked 16th. They have not been ranked since March of 2017. Hokies number 16 in the country. And let's talk about what was – Arguably the biggest series win of the John Sheff era. Mm-hmm. Virginia Tech opens their ACC um, ACC slate this past weekend in Coral Gables against the – some uh, polls had them as ranked as high as number three. Some high, had them as high as number six, which it had on the score bug for the broadcast. Hokies take the series. We'll call it against sixth-ranked Miami as it has on Hokiesports.com. 5-3 winners on Friday in Game 1. They lose 3-0 in Game 2. And then in the rubber game on Sunday, 9-6 winners. This is a Miami team that just beat Florida in a series week before. And Florida's one of the best teams right, in the SEC. Right. So Florida was number one in the country, and Miami took two out of three from them. And then, so Miami moves up to number three, number six, you know, whichever one of the five. Well, there was five even a poll that had Miami at number one. There was like yes. five baseball polls, whichever right. one you want to listen listen to. And then uh, Virginia Tech takes two out of three for Miami, who had just taken two out of three from number one, Florida. Right? So. Uh, how how big of a series win is see, this oh, for Virginia huge. Tech? What does this mean for the Hokies? It means a lot. It doesn't seem like a fluke. Um, based on what we saw from their pitching last year, and what we've seen from their pitching through six games uh, so far this season, uh, it appears that that they've they've. I've already said Ryan Fecto is one of the best pitching coaches in the country. His record speaks speaks for itself throughout everywhere he's been in his career. And I think the question mark about this team was how good is the bullpen? Like I didn't mm-hmm. think it was going to be bad, but we didn't know exactly how good it was going to be. And I guess you know after six games, you still don't. But that was quality competition they faced. And, you know, they, the bullpen held on to the game on, on Sunday. Uh, I don't think the, the and bullpen. Friday. Yeah, well, that's what, it, it was a bullpen game. Friday, Friday. they threw six scoreless innings to end the game Friday. And, and he, he, even their starter on Friday night is probably like a relief pitcher. That, like I would say, that was a bullpen game the whole way through. Like, you know, like the Brewers, was it the Brewers who sometimes, uh, uh, in the majors, go by like, or the A sometimes go by right. They, they don't even have a fifth starter. They just every fifth day they're they're just the bullpen. It's they work a bullpen out the game. bullpen, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was kind of like that for Virginia Tech on on Friday, and then I don't think I, I don't think they gave up any runs on Saturday, did they? Well, they lost three nothing. They lost three. I mean the bullpen. Oh, itself. the bullpen. Right. 
think that's uh, I, right. Yeah, I, I, th- I think the, that uh, they were all charged I got for the, the starter, right I think. Here. So, yeah, amazing weekend for Tech's bullpen. As far yep, as you're I'm correct. Concerned. The bullpen did not give up any runs right. on Saturday. Right. And, and we, you know, we were texting throughout the game on Friday because they went down early, and it was a really shaky start for Peyton Alford, who got the start on Friday. And then he really, really settled in to his own. He went just three innings, but he struck out four batters. He worked out of a couple of jams. And then, well, Matthew Siver, like four innings of scoreless work. How about this? Six strikeouts to one walk, and he gave up one hit, no runs. Um, I mean, it just Chris is right. It just feels like the bullpen was the story going into the year for Tech, and they're showing right now the reason they are where they are is because of their bullpen right now. Yep. Um, so, it, I, so my question, you know, when we started talking about this, I, I thought, is is this fool's gold? You know, and Chris answered that. He said it's, it doesn't feel like a fluke. It's like, you know, remember last year in basketball when beating Mi- Michigan State felt like a fluke, but this year when beating Villanova didn't feel like a fluke? Yeah. It's kind of like that. Um, and so, so Friday night, from what I understand, Tech put some runners on for Miami with errors, correct. And then Miami made some some base running mistakes to kind of cancel that out. Um, so uh, I, I I just get the vibe that Friday night, not only were Tech's pitchers uh, the relief pitchers pitched well, but Miami wasn't really on their game Friday night. So Tech stole one. Saturday probably you know kind of went the way you would expect it to. Um, and then Sunday, to me, what was it? What was impressive about Sunday was Virginia Tech got down and then scored seven runs in the sixth, seventh, and eighth inning. Evan, is that what it was? They play, yeah, they scored correct. They play uh, plated seven in the sixth, seventh, eighth combined. Two in the sixth, three in the seventh, two in the eighth. So were they down six to two? They were down four to two four going to two. into the sixth inning, and then Tech tied it four four, top six. Miami came back, went up six four. And, and then the last Tech five scored runs five on Virginia Tech. Yeah. And and yeah, that was the thing. They came from behind in game one and on Friday. What it, what stood out to me most was if you look at the box score on Friday, the last Virginia Tech scored two runs in the third. And then no team scored runs from the fourth to the end of the game. And then Tech didn't score a run on Saturday. So they went, what, thirteen straight innings offensively mm. without a run. And then found a way to get the bats hot late in the game in game three um, and came from behind. I mean, I think that's a mark of a good team, being able to come from behind on the road. And this is a Miami team that was preseason picked number one in the Coastal, right. which is just stacked. Yeah. So this this was impressive. I mean, it really was. And we knew that Simon Alley's a really good pitcher. He also walked five guys yesterday, though. So the bullpen right. had— Right, it wasn't his best day. It wasn't. Sure. And and Weicker and Okuda and Hurd and this kid Shane Connolly, who picked up the save on Sunday and pitched on Friday, transferred I, I think from he the had Citadel. the save on—did he have the save on Friday also? He—let's see. Because I know he's, he pitched the last two. He innings. did. So he had the save on—and again, they say, uh, Coach Facto, they don't like to have a quote-unquote closer. Mm-hmm. But, but Connell, I think they like to kind of ride with the hot hand. And this guy got right. up and was able to throw two of three games this weekend. I think when you have two come-from-behind uh, come behind victories, well, you can't have come-from-behind victories if your bullpen is giving up runs, yeah. right? So uh, bullpens give you a chance to come back. Now, I, th- I think they did get Miami to hit into something like three double plays on yep. Friday night. Um, well, that means defense has improved. Because, well, I mean, this this is a program where, you know, we've generally speaking, Tech has always been able to hit. Um, part of that is because, you know, they play uh, at Union Bank Park and 
the wind is almost always gusting out. Like I drove by the park for the for the Radford game the other day. I was just driving by while they were playing the game, and the flags in center field whipping. Well, man, they were whipping and they were whipping straight no out. Kidding. And then and then the elevation in Blacksburg is is high. It's, it's not quite, so the air it's, it's, it's not quite you know Colorado Rockies, but so so yeah, you're gonna have a lot of home runs in, in, in this area. In this area, you're, you're gonna score some runs. Um, you have to have a good defensive infield and you have to have pitchers that can get ground balls right because if you give up fly balls in blacksburg you're going to give up runs i remember going to attack unc game several years ago and one of the unc hitters hit what i thought was a routine fly ball to left field and it just kept going mm-hmm. and going and right. going and going and it's like man he it's like he he didn't make that good a contact on it he just got it really really high and and nature, stayed up nature a long took time. care of the rest. Right, exactly. So you got to have pitchers. You got to be able to recruit good defensive infielders and pitcher and ground ball pitchers. And mm-hmm. and so that that that's the key to success at Virginia Tech. And, and I think they've they yeah. they they appear to have under, understood that and, and done that. And this kid T.J. Rumfield, transfer from Texas Tech. I mean, six five two twenty five, lefty. Um, only reason he transferred to Texas Tech is because they've got one of the best first basemen in the country. He's looking for more playing time. He's a redshirt freshman. Rumfield hit like 450 in nine games a couple of right. years ago. Or last year. year right? as yeah. a, and, and he hit two home runs against Radford. Then he had a home run on Friday in game one. And it just feels like with him and then Gavin Cross, who had the big home run on Sunday, who was a freshman All-American a year ago, that this offense just really does have elite guys who can get on base. I also think Tech's a really good small ball team. When they need to go small ball, they can, mm-hmm. and they can bunt well. Um, and they're also aggressive. Uh, Tech had uh, averaged over two stolen bases a year ago, which was some of the best numbers in the country. Mm-hmm. And um, and they're quick on the base paths. They appear to be a balanced team. Yes, um, I agree. like like I would, they're they're not an elite hitting team. They're not. They don't have elite starting pitching. They don't have. They don't have an elite bullpen. Although maybe <laughs> early indications are it's pretty darn good. Yeah. Uh, but they're 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 just solid across the board. You you don't see like I, I don't I don't look at that team so far, six games in and think, oh man, they're really weak right there. Now, mm. as time goes by, we all know that you know weaknesses show up the more games you play. Right. Um. So so maybe maybe we will find one. But. So so when I look at wrestling, I see a, a team that that's pretty good and really young. Is that the case with baseball? You know, would you say they're young? I would say that. Now, keep in mind, they're winning without, I think, arguably their best player, Nick Bittison, who uh, is injured, and he should be back at some point this season. He had off-season surgery, I believe. But, yeah, I mean, Madden is a junior, or yeah. maybe a, a redshirt or COVID I, I, sophomore, I forget. I forget. Um, yeah. But they, they are pretty – I mean, you know, you're now I, I, finally – I don't think they're young. I don't think you can say that. Okay. Yeah. I don't think – I don't think very many ACC baseball teams you can classify as young. I mean, if you have to come in and play a bunch of freshmen at the ACC level – you're, you're going to yeah. get smoked in the coastal, right? That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Well, and keep in mind this too, though. You're, so Coach Chef's in his fourth year. You're starting to see though his first recruits mm-hmm. now becoming the sophomores, the juniors, and being some of the best players on the team. So yeah. I mean, it was a total rebuild when he got here. Oh, I mean, gosh. building in Blacksburg, yeah. it's no, no. They, just, they you know, really that, mean that. They had yeah. to build it. I mean, <laughs> there was no. Oh, you know, let's keep the foundation and keep this part and, and maybe do better here. Nope, it was just sledgehammer, knock it all down, By total way, rebuild. Did you guys see that this weekend? I love that. For those who don't know, after every home run, they throw a sledgehammer out to the mm. guy who hits the home run. I think it's pretty cool, actually. I mean, you know, like what does he do with the sledgehammer? He just 
comes down and right in the middle of everybody. It's like UVA football when they uh, break, break the, the rock. Yeah, the but rock. it's outside the dugout. But so, well, by the way, as we uh, transition away, Virginia Tech's weekend series, um, this is where the Hokies rank in various college baseball polls. Chris Hiron just tweeted out, number 24, D1Baseball.com, number 16, Baseball America, number 27, Collegiate Baseball Newspaper, and uh, not ranked in the NCBWA and USA Today. So there's a bunch of different polls for baseball. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, there's no AP poll. I, I don't know if they've started doing RPI rankings yet for, for baseball. It's funny that they still do RPI for baseball. They have not switched to a net-like system, although I don't I don't know that you could in baseball because you don't have offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency. Yeah. It, it would have to be a completely different set yeah. of metrics, but – I, I tried to look up baseball RPI last week, and they don't have new numbers for this year. It was still last year's numbers. So, by the way, big weekend series: home against North Carolina, three game series. They're coming off a series win against Virginia, and uh, the Tar Heels are ranked uh, number seventeen in that poll. The Hokies and, are ranked and they're, sixteenth. They're new in the polls as well. Correct. But, yeah. Correct. So, anyways, uh, every ACC series is important, and even this week, I mean, Boston College. Is in the Boston, top oh, there, there, I mean, there, so, there was a thread on the subscriber board the other day. Is Boston College ever good in anything? Right. And people were joking, well, they're good hockey. in hockey and, and stuff like they're that. But, but they're actually ranked in baseball right now, which is shocking. It, 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 it might not last. It probably won't last. Well, in indoor track, they finished dead last with <laughs> seven and a half <laughs> points. All right, here we go. Let's. Uh, so wait a minute. Let's do the sorry. weather. The Friday weather is a high of forty-eight and mostly sunny. Saturday high of forty-nine and what does that icon mean? Interval of clouds and sunshine. And Sunday fifty-two and sunny. So, so it could be a lot worse in Blacksburg this time. Of oh year. Yeah. yeah, that that that's actually pretty good. So do me a favor. Do you have, do you still have the schedule in front of you? I have glanced at the schedule, and don't they do a weird thing where they play UVA three times once? What do you mean? They don't have a set weekend series against them. They they spread games against UVA out throughout the uh, throughout the season. Mm, they've got a weekend series at home against Virginia, April thirtieth, May first. I wonder May if I'm 2nd. confusing it with softball. Softball only plays them, I think, twice this year. And you're right; it's two weekday games, so it's right. not an official. So series. I'm getting confused with softball. That's the only thing uh, we were lacking this weekend: is softball sweeping someone, uh, yeah. not giving yep. up any runs. And uh, yeah. a quick update on softball: we'll go ahead and wrap up our two teams on the diamond. Softball has entered a COVID pause. In their season, they had their doubleheader against Army uh, postponed this Saturday, and they will not play their four games home series against Boston College this coming oh, that's weekend. Too bad. Um, how so? They get the big win, series win against Florida State, series win against Clemson, and now put on a uh, on a pause. So we'll keep you posted if we get any more information. Uh, I'm sure they'll still be high in the polls. Uh, ACC had a good weekend in softball, which is good, I think, for the conference as a whole. But uh, Virginia Tech softball not in action this weekend. I think they're still ranked around 14th the last time I checked in the country. Uh, let's quickly transition here and talk about two. Uh, no, we'll get that in a minute. We'll talk about the two football recruits that uh, Tech signed last week in just a moment. Quickly. Virginia Tech women's basketball finishes the regular season on Sunday, uh, playing North Carolina for the third time this regular season. The Tar Heels, I want to say they had won five or six in a row. So had the Hokies. Virginia Tech in the second quarter had a 14-point lead. Uh, it was a competitive game. They fall 68-63 to North Carolina. Their six-game ACC win streak snapped to close the regular season. Yeah, they, they had a 14-point lead at halftime and gave – Almost all of it up in the third quarter. Tech only took eight shots in the third quarter and only made two. 
when Tech does lose, which they have not done much of recently, but this is the entire Kenny Brooks era I'm yeah. talking about. When Tech does lose, a lot of times it's when they hold a it's like one really fairly substantial quarter. lead and then they collapse. They so. outscored North Carolina 27-12 to in the second quarter, but then we're outscored 21-8 in the third quarter. Yeah. Um, they actually only scored 18 points in the second half. Woo. So that means Virginia Tech, if they'd won, they would have clinched the sixth seed. Now they're the seventh seed in the ACC tournament that starts this week in Greensboro. They will play Miami to open, who they beat a couple of weeks ago, 75-55 on the road. But then they get North Carolina State in the quarterfinals. Yeah, and then the two times they played State, State didn't have their best player. Correct, um, Elizabeth Cunane, their center. Yeah, that that that's that's an interesting subplot where I, she played. Were she and Kitley on the same team, or were yes, they, they, they go teams? way back. Yeah. Yep, they um. So, in in the last couple of times too, Cunane has gotten the best of Kitley the last couple of times that they've matched up. So that's going to be a really good matchup down low if they get to that. Correct, and they got to take care of Miami on. Uh, so they play Thursday, March fourth, six p.m. in Greensboro. Um, that is the update on Virginia Tech women's basketball. Again, I would assume. I haven't seen the latest projection, but they're probably still in the NCAA tournament as we speak. And um, I'm sure one win would be have the Hokies feel pretty good. Yeah, yeah. sure. So. Yeah, um, and, that, and that game Thursday, the first couple of rounds are going to be on RSN. And then uh, I think the semifinals are on ACC Network, and then the finals are on uh, one of the ESPNs. So let's real quick, let me pull up uh, women's bracketology and see where see if I can get it to load. Uh, let's see. We're so prepared. We are. Well, <laughs> if my phone was faster, I'm having trouble seething, seeing them on a scan, uh, but I'm, I'm sure they're still in there. Genetech is a nine seed still in the Alamo region. Alamo. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hold on. How are they doing the NSA Women's Tournament? You know what? The regions say they say Alamo, Hemisphere, Mercado and Riverwalk. So I, I don't know what that means. That's that's got to be they they got to be playing it in some city, and those must be four areas of the city. Could be, yeah. Okay. Uh, da, 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 the, oh, that's the, they're the, playing in San Antonio. Then, the entire right? tourney will be played at a single destination, the San Antonio region, with, with multiple venues. Right. Just like the men's tournament. Right. So they're playing in the Alamo Dome, I guess, and they're playing somewhere near a river. And I forget, don't know the other the other two, but um, yeah, yeah. So appreciate you listening as we yeah. read our phones. All women's basketball teams <laughs> in San Antonio. As I get a text from uh, Damien Sales, who's watching. All right. All right, let's transition for women's basketball quickly. I want to touch on two commitments that Virginia Tech football picked up last week. Uh, let's start with uh, 2022 offensive lineman commit Braylon Moore. Um, he is from Freedom High School in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Six foot three, two hundred. And 90 pounds had offers from Syracuse, Kent State, East Carolina, Navy, Tulane, among others. Uh, Chris, you wrote an article on him. You put his uh, huddle in the article on TechSideline.com. What do you like about Braylon Moore? Uh, he's an interior lineman. He's Caden Moore's brother. Caden is was a true freshman this past year for the Hokies and will be a true freshman again this coming year. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we've heard really good things about Tech's two true freshman linemen from this past year, especially Parker Clements, but also Caden Moore. And uh, Caden Moore did not did not have an – I don't think his offer list is, was as good as Braylon Moore's, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think he's a good, solid interior line prospect. Could potentially play guard or center. 
And then the other commitment, uh, Harrison St. Germain. I love that name. I just can't wait for Lays to be like, touchdown St. Germain. <laughs> Six foot four, two hundred thirty pounds. Westfield High School, Chantilly, Virginia. Um, picked the Hokies over Wake Forest, class of twenty twenty two. Six four, two hundred and thirty pound tight end. So he's a big guy for yeah. being in high school. Well, and who knows? He might be bigger than that now. I mean, these kids haven't been to camps since twenty nineteen, and that's where all these heights and weights come from. Yeah, right. So you've got right now. I mean, you could DM a kid and be like, yo, what's your height weight? And somebody who's 6'2", 185 might tell you 6'4", 210. You just, so you just don't know for sure. So a lot of, these st- a lot of this stuff isn't getting, getting updated because these guys, for all I know, he might be 6'5", 245 now. Or maybe that's exactly right. Who really knows? But yeah. in-state recruiting, and I wrote an article about this last week, is, is you're seeing Tech offer a lot of guys from like Georgia and things like that. And, yes, Tech is always going to offer a lot of -of out-of-state kids, but they're doing it more this year because there's more information about the out-of-state kids because most out-of-state kids played football this past year and Virginia kids did not. Played in the fall. So so if they've offered St. Germain, that means they really like him because they haven't seen any of these in-state kids in person since 2019. Yeah. Uh, and granted, they haven't seen the G- Georgia kids in person in the sa- since that year too. But they've at least been able to watch film of those kids playing football. Yeah, and because they got to play this past year, and Virginia kids didn't. So, Tech, they're probably understandably a little bit slow offering in-state players right now, even though they they do want more in-state players, but. You don't want to offer them just for the sake of offering. Like their junior seasons just started this past weekend. Um, for class of 2022 guys, I guess, or 2023 guys. Yeah, yeah, 2022 guys. They're going to play two seasons in one year, a spring season and a fall season. So Mm -hmm. the evaluation period for those guys, it's six months behind. Right. Every, everywhere else. Uh, you have you have a lot more information on on Georgia kids and Florida kids and Tennessee kids and Texas kids and things like that because they played and Virginia kids didn't. So if you're wondering where the offers are for in-state kids, it's because Virginia yeah. didn't play football this past fall. Yeah. All right, two quick things of note. Uh, transitioning away from football, Virginia Tech lacrosse played this weekend against 12th-ranked Virginia, fell 12-10 to in a back-and-forth mm. game. Saw a stat on the board, though. The Hokies lost 17 of 22 draws. Um, and it's tough to win when, you know, you're not the other team has the ball. you don't have draw control. So um, that was a close one, though. So Virginia Tech, 2-2 two and two on the air, wins against Liberty and Longwood and losses to 12th-ranked Duke, 12-8, and lost to now 12th-ranked Virginia, 12-10. Uh, their next game is against Notre Dame in South Bend uh, this Saturday. So, again, for lacrosse, I mean, it's just a gauntlet every time they play. It's also a gauntlet for uh, Virginia Tech men's soccer, who played mm-hmm. this weekend. You know, it was a top-five matchup. They went to Coastal, both teams in the top five, and the Hokies won their first game of the spring 2 nothing. So I was surprised to find out Coastal Carolina is ranked fifth. Yeah, I thought that was pretty high, too, um, Coastal uh, for the Carolina, shot to clears. I think they've got – I think they've gotten, done good work with their facilities down there, and they're at the beach. And if you can leverage that – you ought to be able to be good in whatever sport. Some some kids will come play there just because yeah. you're at the beach. Yeah. Goals by Jacob Lavovitz, his fourth of the year, carrying over from the fall. And Sievert Haugley uh, converted on a penalty kick. So the Hokies won 2 nothing. And, again, their RPI is one of the best in the country. And <laughs> to start off your season when you have an ACC slate coming up against, like, Duke, Clemson, Virginia, Pitt, 
to go play on the road against a top five so, team in Coastal. So how, do, how does it work? They they play in the fall and then play like a whole another season. Yeah, in they're the playing more spring. And I, and I was being it was being explained to me last night. But yeah, there's going to be something of like the top two teams in the ACC will play each other mm-hmm. at the end of the year, not for the ACC championship that was decided last year, but who gets the automatic qualifier, I guess. Um, at the end of the year, I'm still trying to figure it out myself. But yeah, the okay. Hokies uh, men's soccer will play what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven matches this spring, including Coastal Carolina. And, and then the NCAA tournaments are different because the MLS draft was in the That's middle right. of the season. Yeah, right? correct. We Str- lost players. Uh, UVA lost players. UNC lost players. It's uh, it's a part of the. And year. there has not been a freshman class to come in and. Uh, however, I do believe Christo Strickler is still playing. He's, he's for stuck Virginia around, Tech. I think. Yeah. So, um, but uh, so he yes. was a second round pick, right? Second round pick. He would probably like go out on loan or something this year. Any, I, I doubt he would. Uh, however, he did not play yesterday against Coastal Carolina, so um, did not log any nights. Okay. Yeah. That, so that that's a professional team owns his rights now. So him going out and playing 90 minutes and maybe getting hurt against uh, Coastal Carolina. I don't think I would be very happy if I was that professional team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what a, what a whip around we just did from an ACC championship to a uh, program uh, record set by Virginia Tech men's basketball to Virginia Tech baseball being ranked. There's a lot of good going on in Tech athletics. If you just you know look, everything going on right now is a lot of winning going on. So <laughs> there's a lot of winning going and, on. And um, so let's go ahead and transition here uh, into our favorite part of the podcast. That's where you get to ask questions to Will and Chris, our Q and A portion of the podcast. Um, first of all, a lot of people fired up. I love going to the top of the. Uh, it's like the boards, the top of the chats. Like good morning, Hokies. Good morning. Uh, a lot of people fired up for the podcast this morning. Uh, Kyle Siler says this music makes me want to run through a brick wall in the really? beginning. Yeah, about the I intro. Like it. So he was yeah. Kyle. We appreciate your enthusiasm here on this. Uh, you Monday sure you didn't mean the uh, intermission music? No, it was early. It was <laughs> it was the. Um, you know, we've got a new intro. The music's the same. The pictures are different. Right. V Tim Hokey eighty five did it for us, and I think we're still running the old one though. I knew there was something I was forgetting this morning. Um, let's transition here. Let's get some questions. Okay, Minister eight oh four, like that. Shout out eight oh four, Richmond. How realistic is the thought that Tech could have a real chance to make it to the ACC basketball championship game? It's realistic. Yeah. Um, just look around this league. And you'll see a bunch of teams that, like, there's there's not, like, one big dominant top ten team this year. I mean, even Florida State was only ranked 11th, and that was before they lost to UNC this past weekend. And Virginia is going to drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tech lost to – Virginia Tech lost to Georgia Tech, but then they beat Wake by 38. So, I don't know what that will do to them in the polls, but there's a possibility that – it's a possibility that there's not a top 15 ACC team in the next poll. I would say the champ- the chances of making the championship game increase if Louisville and Florida State are on the other side of the bracket. Mm. Right. I'm, I'm half joking, half cynical. You know, it just – those are the programs I worry about the most. Yeah, yeah. What do you guys think is the highest possible seed that Virginia Tech could attain at the NCAA tournament? Let's say 2-0 – 
in the last two games and win the ACC tournament. Not saying <laughs> oh he say he's saying Tyler Daly. Not saying either of these should be expected, but just curious. I mean, what's the absolute highest tech? Could well, get so to? much of it's due to what other teams do, but I would have to say you're right over there. <laughs> yeah, Malcolm is making his presence felt. So, <laughs> so I, I don't know, probably like a four or something like that. I was going to say if they win the ACC tournament, I bet they're a four. Um, Richie Goad, wonder how much the quote unquote senior day affected our energy. We just seemed in the zone. Great win. I, I want to play off that real quick because I had the chance to be there in person. Oh yeah. And uh, I was doing official stats with ACC network. And I mean, we, the, the, the Hokies were just, I mean, when I mean energized, I mean like screaming and yelling and warmups beforehand and a good, like just, I actually made a comment to David Cunningham. I was like, tech just seems like so amped. To play this game, they like Beatty. In case nobody figured that out, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was like they all like warm up and they they're in people's faces, like you know, tech warm up against tech, and ah, you know, just like scream. I mean, I was just like really intense, and I just had this. I mean, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. So I agree with you totally, Richie. That so sitting at home, um, the the previous game ran overtime, so. Um, they didn't cut into the Virginia Tech Wake Forest game until I think the first media time. Yeah, and if it, actually if you look at the. Uh, Oh, if you go to the ACC Digital Network and they do the game. Mm-hmm. They, highlights? Not the highlights. The uh, I can, Why is the word not in my head? It's like seven minutes long. They show the whole game. Oh, the condensed game. The condensed game. Yeah, it starts. It's like 13 to 2. Right. That's the first so, play of the condensed Kevin game. Kevin Aluma had made two three-pointers before I even got to watch the game. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, exactly. So I, so I went upstairs once I figured out that you know they weren't going to show the start of the game and turned on the radio. Of course, another radio game, another win. And I'm not counting the Georgia Tech game because yeah. of COVID. COVID. Yeah. Yep. Um, great questions. And last one from Billy Parvin, a football question. Can you guys provide any insight into how football home and homes are scheduled? For example, I don't understand how one with Tennessee hasn't been done yet. Is there a team you'd like us to do one with? Well, both teams have to want to play. And Tennessee, the way Tennessee sees it is they already play a tough enough SEC schedule as it is, so why would they play one more losable game? It's not like they need the money. I mean, they have a 105,000, 110,000-seat stadium, and they've got an SEC TV contract. And they already play plenty of good opponents, so why add one more? That's the way they see it. Uh, so yeah, to to this day, I'm still surprised that the battle at Bristol happened. Me too. Me yeah. too. Um, so I, th- I think back in the day before the big TV contracts and there was so much money involved. I, I think I think it was it would be easier to schedule a series like that, but. I don't see it happening going forward. I know it makes sense from a proximity standpoint, from a fan's perspective and things like that. But from a business perspective, I don't think it makes any sense for Tennessee. Like, if put yourself in Tennessee's shoes. You don't need any money. All you do is all you do is add a possible loss. It's only for the fans, right? That's the biggest thing. And it's not like Virginia Tech is a top ten program anymore. Like, it's not even a draw for Tennessee from a national level. It's not like it's going to be, oh, Virginia Tech and Tennessee, let's get that 8 o'clock on ESPN. No, this would be like a noon ESPN2 game because both programs aren't very good, right. quite frankly. So it's, it wouldn't even bring any national hype with it. If So from Tennessee's standpoint, I just – I don't they, think they're interested at all in playing. They historically have not wanted to play Virginia Tech. You know, and, and I, I, I know – I'm not saying that that Tech is just sitting there with bated breath wanting to sign a home-and-home with Tennessee. They'd they'd probably do it given the opportunity. 
particularly now that Virginia Tech doesn't sell out season tickets anymore. They'll they'll take any big opponent sure. coming in that they can get. But you know, if you like Chris said, if you put yourself in Tennessee's place, uh, you try to get seven home games a year. Um, four of them are going to be SEC games, so you just you know fill the other three slots with whoever. Now that said, I don't know who they do have home and homes signed with. Yeah, it it, it, it is difficult at times for me to talk about Tennessee because there is a portion of our fan base that is locked into Tennessee and knows everything about them because they live down there. They live right, down right. in Bristol or they live in Tennessee. So I start talking about Tennessee and I say ignorant things and, I, and people get mad at me. I don't pay any attention to Tennessee. So if I say something dumb, please forgive me. I, I don't live in Bristol no, other, and I don't get subjected to Tennessee coverage all the time. The, the other part of the question is who we'd like to see Tech play in a home and home. South Carolina. South Carolina would yeah. be my answer to that. I would is, like that a, be, is that because of Shane Beamer? or is nah, that just before, that's okay. just a locality. Just cause. Um, I've, I've always liked South South Carolina. It, it's they're they're only it's a two and a half hours to Charlotte from here, and then another hour from that to South Carolina. It's a really close school, and we never play them. Now it's the same issue with them, except they're in the SEC East. Correct. Is Tennessee in the West? Tennessee's in the West, right? They're or both no, in the East. They're both in the East, and, and oh, they have to play Clemson every year. Right. Right. So South Carolina already plays Clemson every year, and then they play Florida, and then they play Georgia. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. and then whoever their crossover opponents are. I mean, their schedule is brutal. So, so then adding a, a road game in some years to Virginia Tech, it's just not probably not in their best interest. Now, Virginia Tech has scheduled to play them in Atlanta in a neutral side game. Which is a weird choice. Why is that game not in Charlotte? Look, I mean, that, that game, I think, I, think, uh, I think Clemson and Georgia are playing each other in Charlotte. They should flip. They should flip those two games. Yeah, make the phone calls, man. Uh, I don't understand. Like, like, obviously, it's a quick trip either way for South Carolina fans, but for Virginia Tech fans from Richmond and Northern Virginia, the seven five seven, it's a big difference between Charlotte and Atlanta. Yeah, uh, uh, you're talking about one and a half whole states, basically. Um, so two or three hours extra on the trip. So that that game should be in Charlotte. I don't understand why it's in Atlanta. Uh, because South Carolina has played North Carolina and Charlotte. They've played NC State and Charlotte. But now we have to go all the way to Atlanta to play them. I don't like that part of it. So, obviously, another one was Penn State, but that didn't happen. I nope. know. Nor will it other ever happen now, most likely. Yeah, I think I think that's over. Yeah, I think that's over, done, and, done and dusted, unfortunately. Hey, there is Wisconsin, though, in 2035, no. 2036. <laughs> well, you know, no, you know it's – Andy Bitter is excited about that. Oh, yeah. I think that, they've, they've been trying to play that game for the last 10 years, 10 or 15 years. It's going to be pushed back to no, 2045. We do have a future schedule page on, on, on TSL, and here I am using my phone now. Uh, let's see. Let's take a look at future football schedules. Um, now, we know, let's see, Tech has West Virginia the next couple of years. Oh, goodness. They've got Vanderbilt, as if anyone's really worried about that, but at least it's something different. Um, they got BYU on here. Mm. They got Maryland on here. Uh, more Notre Dame. They've got Arizona, Wisconsin, Ole Miss. That's right. Forgot yep. Ole Miss. Um, That's like Al- 2035. Right? Alabama. These games are way re- re- out there now. Remember 20. Or mark your calendars. For September second, twenty thirty four, and September first, twenty thirty five, at home and home with the Crimson Tide. 
You know I'm going to be 69 years old for the first one of those and 70 for the second one. I don't even want to do that math myself. Yeah. Well, for me, it's easy math. I was born in 1964, so, right. you know, 2034 and 2035, it's easy. So, you know, th- there's a few on there. Um, but, uh, you know, it's – it's. I don't know what's going to happen in college football with, with regards to scheduling in, in, in the future. Like, I, I, I'm not at all convinced that long-term that – 130 teams will stay in one division. I'm not even convinced that long term so 60 this, teams will look stay. Look what this question has turned into. I'm not even convinced that long term that 60 teams will stay in the same division. So that's a whole different topic. Though. Uh, well, one question that we always get on uh, every episode of the Tech Sideline Podcast is what's coming up on techsideline.com this week? For those that are uh, looking for content, what do we have coming up this week? Our managing editor. We've got a Brandon Patterson article. Uh, we got a Jack Tyler article from Corey Van Dyke. Um, I should be able to get my uh, an offensive line PFF article out. Uh, I miss PFF. It's been yeah. a while since we've talked PFF yeah. on the podcast. Uh, basketball article at some point. Um Friday Q&A, Jason Stame. Huh, there's a lot of stuff. So, yeah. so give me a second, Kerry, because we got an email this morning from uh, <clears throat> from Pete Morris. I've got oh. lots of emails this morning. Where's my Pete Morris email? Okay, so uh, Tuesday, March 2nd. So this will be part of the content this week. Uh, um, they're going to do interviews with Adam Lichtenberg, Ryan Smith. That'll be a good one. Looking forward to that. No, no, no offense to Adam Lechtenberg, but <laughs> um, Luke Tenuta, uh, Tavion Robinson, and Narell Pollard. Wow. Is Narell Pollard a good interview? Any idea? I expect he is. Yeah. It's hard to remember. I'm not, I'm not – I think I've been in the same room. Yeah, he was a sophomore. I've been in the same room with him at some point. <laughs> yeah. So that that's going to be on Tuesday at about 1130 in the morning. So uh, that's content that will be coming up this week also. Mm-hmm. Eighty four ninety nine is the annual price. Eight forty nine the monthly price. Twenty nine ninety nine the student price. Subscribe to TSL today. Become a part of the TechSideline family. All right. Well, busy week ahead. Final week of the regular season for ACC uh, men's basketball. Virginia Tech with two big games. So well, the women's ACC tournament starts Thursday. Thursday at six o'clock on RSN against Miami. Okay. And then if they win, they will get NC State. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so there's a lot going on. You can follow us on Twitter at Tech Sideline. We'll keep you up to date with everything going on at Virginia Tech Athletics. Will's on Twitter at Will Stewart TSL. Give him a follow. Chris Coleman's on Twitter at Chris Coleman TSL. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube here towards the end, please subscribe and like. Thank you all. Uh, well, that'll wrap things up. Any closing thoughts, gentlemen, here? Our first podcast of March. Oh. No, just that was a really busy weekend. Yes, so, yeah. and we got through it all, and we'll get through it again next Monday. I hope you can join us then for another show. All right, that'll wrap things up uh, for our managing editor, Chris Coleman, for our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best podcast producer than Malcolm Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes, saying so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening to episode 169 of the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by Anytime Fitness, Campus Emporium, and the Southeast Regional Training Center. Have a great week, Hokies, and we'll talk to you next Monday.